Welcome to the Tom Dupree Show for our financial hour. <laughs> Joining us, Chad Sturgill, Mike Johnson, our host, Tom Dupree, and we are powered by Dupree Financial Group. Now, this is a song by Harry Nilsson from, I'm not sure, I don't remember which album it came from, but he, you know, it's a rather dour view of retirement. So we, we try to uh, urge people, you know, to keep doing stuff. Don't just go somewhere and stare at the horizon. You know, that's fine for a little bit, but you don't want to just be, you know, doing nothing for the latter part of your life. Constantly stare into the abyss you're going to fall into. Yeah, exactly. Know, right? Exactly. So what we're here to do is talk about investing because, to be honest with you, uh, how you invest in retirement or prior to retirement or wherever you're doing, it's an extension of who you are because you're taking your money, the money you earned, doing whatever you did, or you might have inherited it, or you might have won the lottery, or you might have stolen it. I don't know how you got it. But the the, the, the fact is it, you have it now, and, you know, how you invest it is a reflection of who you are. I want to talk about a guy real briefly named Ron Barron. Uh Ron Barron is a mutual fund guy. We don't invest in many mutual funds. However, if you were going to, this guy is a guy that you could invest with. Ron Barron, B-A-R-O-N, the chairman and CEO of Ron Barron, or Barron Capital Management. The billionaire investor Ron Barron says that the Dow could surpass 900,000 in the next 50 years. <laughs> Who knows where we're going to be in 50 years. But anyway, persistent inflation could fuel economic growth. Price Higher prices could bring major stock gains, but might make everything twice as expensive. Okay. Interesting stuff. You know, maybe. 
I like Ron Barron for the companies that he does the research on and digs in and finds really interesting things in which to invest. I don't make predictions about this. I don't even know why this article is in here. <laughs> I mean, th- this this is our research department, such as it is. And I, I, I don't, you know, I, I listen. I, I'm it's I'm putting a big disclaimer on this one. Um, but no, the the fact is, no, I, I'm I'm kind of joking around. The truth is, yes, there could be. If you still think humans have ingenuity and can come up with ways to actually be productive, then human productivity will tend to exceed the rate of inflation and or taxes over a long period of time. It has in the past. So, what do you want to say about this? I want to read this one other quote from him. Uh, I I expect inflation, this is Ron Barron, I expect inflation to be as it always has been, as it always uh, has been in every every single democracy that's ever existed, 4 to 5% a year. He's talking over the long run. Uh, That means you're going to have 35 times your money over the next 50 years. He's extrapolating that out, assuming a 7% growth rate. Um, So, He's talking big picture, um, but drill this back to you know what you're saying, what he does, what we do to individual companies. He's talking big picture. Inflation is going to be present. It, it, it always has been. It always will be. Um, you're talking about human ingenuity. The stock market is human ingenuity. Companies are human ingenuity. And the companies that trade on the market – the valuations over time reflect that. It reflects growth, uh, invention, profitability. That's what the, the uh, price of a stock represents. It's future earning capacity. And what he's referencing here, and he's doing it in a very broad way just so that people can grasp it, is that companies are what is the best means to grow your purchasing power with inflation over time. Um, and so when, when you're looking at the broad market, you know, he's, he's saying the Dow, you could say the S and P or whatever index there is, there's always certain areas of the market that are more valuable. You know, he, he is not an indexer. He's not investing in index funds. Uh, he runs an actively managed mutual fund. He's actually a, he's a, a big investor in Tesla. Uh, he's, he's owned it for a long time um, and several others. Uh, you know, he had a birthday party, and I want to say it was either his 40th or 50th birthday. And they hired Elton John to come perform for his birthday oh, party. Cool. This is Ron Barron, wow. the CEO of Barron Capital Management, B-A-R-O-N. And I recall hearing it was a million-dollar check, you know, yeah. for, for, the, for Elton John. But he, he hired him, and he came. And, and this guy lives large. Mm-hmm. The dude does. Yeah. And he's a mutual fund guy. He is not a hedge fund guy. Right. That's the difference. And I'm not saying anybody ought to invest in his fund, but I have a sense of feel more akin to this guy than I do a hedge fund guy that's investing 
a lot of big lumps of money for very rich people. This guy, you can have twenty grand with him. Well, it's similar what we talked about last week with uh, uh, Peter Lynch. Very um, similar. Uh, he he has a similar investment approach. Yeah. Um, but it, the the other thing you notice with him, there's always this optimism. You know, it's there. You go. That it, is very important. You have to be yeah. optimistic. We try to remain optimistic in every situation. There was a guy I worked with at Rotan Mosley when I was in Houston named Bill Bomar. He was a salesman. He'd come from a place called uh, Bessemer, Alabama, and came out to Houston as uh, worked for Crown Cork and Seal. I mean, he was a he was a bottle top salesman basically. Got a job as a, as a stockbroker and worked his way. And they said. Bomar could walk into a room full of horse manure and he'd say, there got to be a pony in here somewhere. In other words, <laughs> he's going to go find the pony in the middle of a, of a area of great um, ordure. Well, let me make sure that people understand this. This isn't just unrealistic or unreasonable uh, Pollyannish uh, behavior from Ron Barron. He's lived it. I mean, his optimism, his belief in the U.S. economy and the American entrepreneur has made him wealthy. And the same thing, you could say the same thing about Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett is a big believer in, in uh, the American dream, I guess, uh, you, you, to summarize it. I mean, it's, it's worked. And, I mean, you're not, you're not just basing this on, hey, well, things are finally going to get better after they've been terrible for 50 years. No, they've been good. I mean, they've, they've, uh, we've had short periods of time where things have not gone well, but we've bounced back from them. And, I mean, I think you just have to play the odds there. The odds are that prices are going to go up. Yeah. People, there's going to be more money created, et cetera. So, I mean, it's, it's not unfounded. I mean, it's based on what he yeah, lived. I agree with you. And the other thing is – and and this is getting off the topic here, but people, I've heard a lot of people say, well, the stock market is a gamble. And what I've begun to say is the way you do it, it probably is. Now, let's talk about investing in stocks briefly. We'll get back to this. What game do you know of that's, that is where money changes hands that is not a zero-sum game. Okay. Any gambling venue, that would include poker, blackjack, slots, all the other casino games, parimutuel wagering, they are all what are called zero-sum games because at the end of the day, Money changes hands from one hand to the another, and nothing's left over. It's a simple transfer of wealth. Same thing with welfare. Zero-sum game. No wealth created. Stocks. You have the ability for all parties to profit. I can buy a stock from guy A at $20 a share. He paid 10 he bought it from a guy that paid five for it. I can sell it at 30. Everybody's made money along the way. Now, I'm not talking about buying and selling or trading stocks because that can be dangerous and different, difficult. But I can buy something from somebody and make money on it for a long period of time as an investor. And somebody sells it along the way, and they took a profit getting out of it, and the stock had more room to run. How can I buy a stock? 
that's going to go up because somebody's tired of owning it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a guy out there who said, I've owned it long enough. I'm going to let go of it. Otherwise, I wouldn't be able to buy any. Yep. You know, now real estate, if you want to have a house in Chevy Chase and they're not available, you can't buy one at any price. It's not available. But if you want to own shares of XYZ, they're available. You may not want to pay the price, but it's out there. Mm -hmm. That's the market in which we're investing. It's not the best market necessarily, but it's been the biggest wealth creator in American society. And I would say greater to some degree, even than home ownership. So taking that analogy a little further. So you, you have somebody that bought a stock at five, sold it to somebody at 10, and so forth and so on. That stock, why has it gone from five to 10 to 20? Because what that it represents the ownership of XYZ company that's making a good service, something, they're selling something and they're making a profit on. And so also in people that are profiting, the employees of that company, the shareholders of that company, the ones that you know have sold it and they're no longer shareholders of that company. So you're you're talking about the market, the 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 readily available liquid market that is the stock market where they're able to trade from one person to the other at a certain price. So when that market gets funky, you know, if those three people there, the guy that has it at 10, something comes along and he has to sell it and the other two guys don't have cash to buy it, XYZ company may still be worth $10, but person B has to sell it for seven. Time to be- buy. Because the market's <coughs> That's when you up. do well sometimes is if you can buy something when nobody else wants it. And the other thing <coughs> is that you mentioned liquidity. There have to be lots of players, all of whom are relatively on the same page for there to be a market. You go out here to Keeneland to the horse sale or sales. This horse comes up. There's going to be a bunch of buyers who understand the horse's pedigree, how the horse is built. You have to have what it can do in terms of how it scopes the vet. What, how did he do in the furlong and, you know, in his works? There have to be people out there that understand and are on the same page with the investment that's being traded or bought or sold. This creates liquidity, a common pool of knowledge about the item that's being discussed. Well, also – a big separator, I think, with the with publicly traded stocks, listed stocks, uh, because there is a distinction, and uh, the stock uh, for a company to be listed on the New York Stock Exchange, they have to agree to file financial statements that have been audited. Uh, they have to agree to prov- continue to provide those statements in order to keep their listing. So the the information they're providing, the data is being vetted, uh, and I mean, to what degree? 
that's I guess depends on on some of the circumstances, but it's been there. There are minimum listing requirements and minimum right. requirements to stay on there that you don't have in other. So that everybody's on venues, an equal right. playing field, exactly. So, so that you can look at the financials, and this guy can look, and there's no special insider deals going on, right? And that takes away the. I mean, when when people call it gambling, it's not necessarily gambling. The information's there. It's up to you to go do the research. It's gambling if you don't it. do the research. Exactly. Yeah. So. Getting back on the inflation, um, so you have the company, XYZ company, that's able to produce something, and they pass along that inflation to the consumer of their product, which increases revenues, earnings, and so the company, the share price, adjusts for inflation in the economy, and that's why companies that produce things are one of the best hedges against inflation. We've gotten a lot of uh, calls and just questions recently about gold because gold has been in the in the news so much. You know, there's uh, a lot of fear mongering out there. You know, de-dollarization, inflation, all this, and you know, Chad, we were, we were talking about it a little bit before, uh, but I mean, it's got some people kind of worked up or just questioning gold. Well, they think that. If they listen to those commercials, they think that the end of the world is coming because that's their, the the salesmen who are that's what they're doing. They're trying to sell you gold or sell you precious metals. They want to sell. They they want to sell about a lot of their product, and that they do it through fear. So uh, I'm not saying that gold inherently is bad, but I think when when people try to scare you and you're doing it based on fear and not on research on and not uh, not because it makes sense, it's a good fit with your investment strategy. That's a bad thing. So. I'm against that. So, uh, but as far as the, uh, the, how do you like it, Louis? I do not like that. I do not yeah. like fear mongering. Uh, but, uh, and well, that's what, that's these, what, we that's what these advertisers <laughs> Wait do. Wait a minute. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll use a little fear every now and then. Well, well but our you, fear is well placed. About? It's basically, I would be more fearful of people putting all of their money in gold than I would be of them investing it uh, in a diversified portfolio of but high quality let companies. Let me tell you something. The thing that people fear is the thing not to fear. That's right. The thing yeah. that they should be fearing is the thing that they're not afraid of. They should be fearing yeah. the gold salespeople. Well, what <laughs> What they should, if you're going to fear something, and, and or let's just say respect it, mm-hmm. um, what you want to look at is your purchasing power and the outliving of your assets don't get complacent about having a bunch of money in an account people do it all the time there are some people that live like that and that's fine but if you have an active lifestyle that requires income what you want to do is make sure that your income is being people don't structure their portfolio in a way that can produce income they think that it's going to grow to the sky if ron Barron, if what he's saying is right maybe so but along the way there's going to be some hiccups where it could do permanent damage to your portfolio if you're relying on uh, taking money out You'll end up selling when you ought to be buying. Exactly. Even if he's spot on and he called the number exactly over the next 50 years, here's what the Dow's going to be. It's not going to be a straight line. You're going to have that volatility. 
when you start taking distributions from the account, it's not the average that matters. It's not the average return that matters. It's the sequence of those returns. It's a compounded return. Exactly. Really, that matters. Yeah. That's and right. when you suck out money down in a low point, you're screwing bad with the compounding. Right. Messing it up. Well, you have to take it. that ought to be when you're reinvesting. Right. And you have to take a different approach. Uh, if you talk about sequence risk, if you're nearing retirement and we're in a tough market environment, what works under normal circumstances don't uh, don't got, work. You're enough. a rapper. You know it. If you're thinking <laughs> about retirement, come on, what's the next one, Chad? Uh, tone Chad. Uh, no, Young MC wrote all of his hits, so uh, I'd be Young Chad. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, but back to this. Uh, the, Chad what, MC. The one thing that, that I think also people need to understand is this inflation is, is going to, uh, I mean, he's right about inflation because the U.S. government has over, what, $32 trillion in debt and growing right now. And inflation is their friend that devalues the, exactly. the, the debt. And so they have every incentive in the world to keep inflation at a manageable level or, or at a, at certainly an elevated level. So uh, if that happens, you're going to lose your purchasing power. If you're not buying companies, yeah. you have been listening to the Tom Dupree show with Mike Johnson, Chad Sturgill and our host, Tom Dupree, unleash your investing potential by calling Dupree financial group. 859-233-0400. You can also go to our website, duprefinancial.com, and schedule an appointment directly on the homepage. We'll be back with more of the Financial Hour in just a few minutes. Stay tuned. My name is Tom Dupree. Without a plan, you're doomed to failure. Many people have no idea how they plan to tap their retirement investments for income during retirement. At Dupree Financial Group, we specialize in retirement investing. That means turning your growth portfolio or your IRA into an income portfolio. You may need to draw on it for a lot of years Come in and let us review your plan and give you some ideas. Call us at 859-233-0400 and set up a complimentary appointment to review your investments. Listen to the Tom Dupree Show at News Radio 630 WLAP and WLAP.com. That's Dupree Financial Group at DupreeFinancial.com. Talking to that boy again Gonna let you down And leave you flat Gonna let you down and leave you flat Because I told you
Tom Dupree Show for our financial hour. Joining us, Mike Johnson, Chad Sturgill, our host, Tom Dupree, and we are powered by Dupree Financial Group. So, this is another song by Harry Nilsson. I think this thing may have come out in the late 60s. Harry Nilsson would have been in his 20s. And the Beatles were also. And it's a, it's a compilation of several... Uh, you know, hooks from Beatles songs. And and this song, you know, was a nod to the Beatles. Of course, John Lennon was later quoted as saying, uh, somebody said, who's your favorite American group? And he said, Nielsen. He didn't know that Nielsen was a person. He thought that was a, it was like a group, like the Beach Boys. Because the Beatles and the Beach Boys were competitors. So John Lennon would never say the Beach Boys are my favorite group. Although Paul McCartney said, uh, wouldn't it be nice? Or, yeah, I think it's that song. The one from Pet Sounds uh, was one of his favorite songs of all time. You know. But John thought Nielsen was a group. Just like a lot of people when I was growing up thought Jethro Tull was a guy. <laughs> they thought Ian Anderson standing up there on one leg playing the flute was Jethro Tull. Jethro Tull was an English agronomist from like the early 1700s, <laughs> and they named the group that. But anyway. Like Leonard Skinner. Yeah, that's that was the person. <laughs> Leonard Skinner. Yeah. All right, Dave Ramsey meets Jordan Peterson. I'll put my money on Jordan Peterson. But anyway, <laughs> they got into it over something, and it's something you wanted to talk about. Well, it's uh, he was he was a guest on on his show, and uh, they were talking about uh, planning. Uh, and Jordan Peterson said uh, it's a miracle of stupidity, talking about the lack of planning, lack of visualizing uh, financial goals. Uh, it's a miracle of stupidity. It's the number one thing we should be teaching people, and we don't do it at all. You need to develop a vision for your life, he stressed. And that makes delaying gratification, for example, and not engaging in impulsive monetary momentary pleasure worthwhile because you're building something that you actually want to attain. Now, it's like with anything, setting goals, you know, it could be, you know, physical or whatever for financial goals. It, it keeps you on track. Um, so let's say you're, you're still employed. You're, you're working right now. You're putting in your 401k. Um, if you're just working just out of circumstance, 
um, or necessity and you're not visualizing anything, then money's coming in and going out, coming in, going out. There's no, probably not much in the way of savings going on. Um, and you know, the old idea of pay yourself first, uh, having a goal keeps you on track. Um, it helps you if you're, if you're working, you know, you might get tired. They, they use this example. You might get tired, but you're not going to get burnt out. Um, you have to visualize where you're going. What do you mean? Well, uh, so get burned out working. Well, it says if you're if you you're have what you love. if you have a, a financial oh, if, goal, see, if you have a particular goal, you're excited about it. You get tired, yeah, because you get excited because you see incrementally you're getting closer to that goal. Well, let me ask you a question, and 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 I'm not asking you to name any names. Mm-hmm. You have seen people that had, uh, let's just say, lack of purpose in retirement. Mm -hmm. Describe that. It becomes, you know, be be honest. Yeah, I mean, it comes across, you can see it in two ways Um, lack of engagement. You can see, you can see it in somebody's eyes. Almost. All right, tell me what is that? Uh, it, it's it's almost just like they're going through the motion, floating around, they're drifting through they, life. There's, I'll say it this way: if your highlight of the day is coming in to see us, <laughs> we love might, Mike, but yeah, you, you might you might want to have some other goal. I mean, and and I I, I I'm saying that. Out of love, uh, <laughs> is this somebody that if if we told them they needed to come in for a review every month, they probably would. <laughs> they, they probably would. That's okay. No, it isn't. No, here, no, here's, no, no. Here's, here's, no that is here's, not okay. Here's the difference. And, and let me, I forbid <laughs> that from ever being the case with any account. I'm making executive decision. That ain't ever going to happen. You're always welcome to call us. Yeah, yeah you can call, call us. No. But if you're having to come in monthly for planning meetings, <laughs> yeah, we you probably pro- aren't doing it. No, there's a problem there for, if it's for planning meetings. No, you can see it physically, mentally, because, um, I mean, we, we have – some of our clients have been with us a long time and you can see where somebody stays engaged and they're active, they're sharp um, because they have something to get up for in the morning. It could be a hobby. It could be a second career, grandkids, family, whatever it is, there's a purpose. A dog. I mean, I'm going to tell you something. I got three dogs. It's, it's a, it's a it's a job. I mean, it's not yeah. a full time job, but you have to be totally engaged with what's going on with them daily, right? So, the people that have been successful in retirement—I mean that financially and physically, mentally, and and mentally—it's uh, because they did have that plan. They they saw okay in five. They make a, the suggestion in this, and it's actually a really good suggestion. It, it sounds corny, but it's actually really good. Take 15 minutes and just picture where you're going to be in five years. We're not talking 30 years out. Five years. Take 15 minutes and just write it down. Don't worry about you know if it's right, wrong. There's no right or wrong. It's just where 
do you see yourself in five years? And that could be financially, uh, physically, it could be how you're spending your time, whatever it may be. But that's a huge first step in just thinking about it. Because a lot of people, they'll get up to the retirement age, say 62, whatever it is, because that's quote unquote the retirement age. They'll get to 62. That's that one. Well, yeah, I mean, that's just, that's how people have been trained. They, that's what they think. So you get to quote unquote retirement age and you're just, you're going through the motions. It's out of circumstance. They're like, well, okay, I'm going to retire and do something now. Think about where you're going to be in five years. Just do it. Just write it down for 15 minutes and then go back and look at it um, and see, you know, A, does it make sense, you know, from where you actually do want to be? But then financially, how do you get there? So this is how you start developing those goals. And then you can say, okay, how is my money working for me right now? Is that aligned with where I want to be in five years? Right. Um, and so it's, it's a great way and it's a great way, you know, for your spouse, you know, you, you, you kind of do this together independently and then say, okay, where are things, where do they align? Where do they not? How can we get both of these things going? It, it, that's where you open the doors for I'm kind of afraid to do that, that my wife to do that, I, you know, <laughs> well, with some guy 20 years younger than you, you, know, uh, you know, spending your money, that, Tom, let's, yeah. let's just let me do that. <laughs> I, mean, I don't really want her. Uh, and, and I, I would kind of wish she wasn't even here. Oh, you should not say that. Elizabeth, where do you want to be in five yeah. years? Tell us. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway. You have complete peace of mind with me going. in charge of the buttons <laughs> over here, right? Well, one thing, too, I think is important to point out. I mean, this is talking about what you visualize your life looking like in it's a five-year or longer time frame. But, I mean, I don't know how many people out there actually – put together a written budget and but that's you know taking an inventory of where you yeah. are is part of it but the planning the financial planning the retirement planning you're doing this five-year right. longer plan you're not you're not looking just where you are today you're looking where you want to be um, ideally and how and then we work backwards to help you get there no and let me tell you something this is something i need to do something y'all need to absolutely. do absolutely i mean and here's the other thing that old saying, old maxims, truisms, sayings, they're there because they're true. Mm -hmm. The cobbler's children has no shoes. We in the financial industry probably do some of the worst job of anybody of doing it for ourselves. And this is something we have to do. It's something I've started doing more of in the past two or three years. Um, and... You know, let me talk a little bit about how this company came into being. I had a health thing back in the early 2000s. And I had a little boy who was born in 1999, and this was about 2001 or two. And I was working at a, a big brokerage firm. I was a stockbroker. And I wasn't happy. I liked the business. I didn't like where I was. And 
I was trying to kind of recover from not feeling very well. And uh, I remember I would take my little boy, baby boy really at the time, up to Natural Bridge, put him on my shoulders, and hike up to the bridge. And that was where I started envisioning doing something different. Now, I didn't have any money. I didn't have many clients. But I had my imagination. And my back was definitely up against the wall. And I began to realize, you know, I'm going to get better. And when that happens, I'm going to do something different. And it had probably had something to do with knowing I had this little boy and, you know, another little boy who was two years older than him. Um, and there was some of those things. It was something, it was, but I, I, one of the things I thought about was driving around New Circle Road and talking to people on my cell phone and not being in an office. And I'd, I would do that every now and then. The point is, things come from your imagination. They come from you thinking, this could be something I could do. And then, you know, that's how it gets born. That's right. That's that's the first step, and then you back into it. And it's like with anything, it's never a straight line. But with the planning, so when you're thinking out those five years and you're what's that forcing you to do? It's forcing you, and we use this in two different ways, it's forcing you to get out of your hour-to-hour, day-to-day mindset and routine. Your the, rut. The, the rut or the noise in your life. It forces you to get out of that and think out in the future. You're thinking big picture. From an investment standpoint, investing standpoint, the planning gets you out of that day-to-day noise and rut of the market. It forces you to focus on the long, the big right. picture of your investment thesis, your uh, uh, the specific investments in in your portfolio, it forces you to get out of your own head and get out of that day to day noise that you're seeing because every day the yeah. media. I mean, that's the, why it might help to go somewhere other than where you live and work sure. all the time. Yeah, and you know. not take anything with you that that like statements necessarily. Uh, no, just just, just go thoughts exactly. Yeah, but I want to I want to add one yeah. other. Yeah, thing. go go. Talk about a vision. One of the places that we would go, and especially when I had my other son with me, so I'd have two little boys. There was a place up there at Slade, Kentucky, where they sold rock climbing uh, gear, and they made pizzas. And it was a little, it was about maybe twice as big as this room right here. And there was a guy that started named Miguel Ventura. And he, his boys were little. And I would go in there and get some pizza. And the kids would play with each other, my sons and his sons. And I remember I'd gotten Clark this, uh, Chevron made these uh, little trucks little replica trucks 
you could play with. Clark would see that gas station called the Truckee Gas Station. And he brought that in and started playing on the floor of Miguel's um, store there with his son. I'm trying to think. I can't remember that son's name. But um, he was uh, about Clark's age. And uh, that business was Miguel's Pizza, which now... I don't know how much business they do, but I don't know if you've been it's up there. It's huge. Lately, but it's big. They have a full liquor license, which that wasn't even up there at that time. You know, they they the pizza is still as good as it was when it was in the back of that thing. I mean, the pizza's off the map good. Um and then you can get a bourbon, you can get a you can get a um fireball with <laughs> if you want to drink fireball. The, the, and I don't. But the point is, that was a vision of something that got bigger. He had some bumps along the way. Yeah. But, you know, there he is now. So That's right. It was, it was a goal born out of, um, you know, a, a dream, you know, uh, uh, a vision that he had or and or necessity which mo- yeah. a lot of these things are you know success stories are born out of a combination of those entrepreneurs two. do it because they have no other option right you can't do it unless you don't have another option right there's something in you that's got to do it right and Good. and bill used to ask me when we were just getting going and it looked like we weren't going to do well he said well what's plan b i said plan b is plan a it always has to be you know yeah, yeah. You can't not do it. Um, but with anything, it's never a straight line. Um, it is not a straight line. With whatever the venture is, the vision is, the goal is, or the market, it's never a straight line. You're going to have things that come along. Life happens. Things happen in markets, whatever, or whatever business you may be in. Things happen, and that's where the course corrections come in. But you know the general path, the general direction that you're going, so you can make those course corrections. And if you've been planning properly, then when those things happen, it's not going to derail the whole thing. It's just right. it's just a what it is. It's a course correction. You get back on track. That's right. Well, and if you're not asking those questions, I mean, hopefully this conversation will jog your, uh, your uh, I guess, just jog you to – uh, to start asking those questions, I mean, it is definitely better to do this than not do it. You'd be better to go have a plan. So what are you doing right now? Are you, I mean, what, what is your plan? What is your five-year plan? Are you thinking about that? Uh, if not, you need to be. I, can, I can't make guarantees on this show. I can make you one guarantee. If you come in and talk to us, I don't care who you are, you'll have better and more information than you had before you came in. I guarantee that. Can't guarantee investment returns, can't guarantee outcomes, but I can guarantee you that talking to us can and will be helpful to you, and it doesn't cost you anything, and I can guarantee that also. There's no cost and there's no obligation. We've got a ton of people that came in once or twice and took off. They never wrote us a check. They got good information. Yeah. I know it because we gave it to them. And that's how I know it was good information. Yeah. Well, and you know what? Some of those, it just, 
it wasn't the right time. Right. It was the right fit, but it wasn't the right time. And some of those are now clients. Um, yeah. It just thing it, it 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 works when it works. I mean, because right. it, it, it's a relationship. And it has yeah. to work both sides. Um, but like you said, you will know. You'll have a very clear understanding of what our investment process is, and how and if we could be of help to you. Yeah. All right, that's it for this financial hour. If you want to, can t- you laugh? If you want to take steps to achieve your financial goals, come see us. Two three three zero four hundred area code eight five nine. Go to our website duprefinancial.com. You can actually schedule an appointment directly on our homepage. We appreciate you listening to the Financial Hour.